0: Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. This is the second in our series called Church Has Left the Building. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy. Uh, As we begin this morning, I wanna read a passage of scripture. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four, and it says this. In verse one, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. I want to call our message this morning, the call. the call. You know, one thing that my wife and I we have a great debate in our house, and uh, it revolves around cleaning, and uh, the debate in our household is this: It's the surface clean versus the deep clean. Now, I hope you guys understand there's a difference between a surface clean and a deep clean. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, the surface clean is something that we do every single day. It's the the quick sweep of the house. It's uh, cleaning up after the twins, picking up their Jolly Jumper and their Elka Seltzer, and just all of these terms I didn't know six months ago. It's sweeping, and it's just, it's the surface clean. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, it happens every single day. And then there's the deep clean. Now, the deep clean is like where you vacuum, it's where you mop, it's where, it's, it's like you really get into the nitty gritty. Now, when it comes to these two cleans, the debate in our household is when these cleans happen. You see, uh, for those of you guys, if you are not aware of this uh, church leaving the building, uh, it's not a huge deal for Kingdom Church because the history of our church is that we actually started not in a church building, but we started uh, in our basement. And so what happened is that what we would do, we would have everyone come to our house in our basements. And so every single Friday before the weekend, Christy and I would clean up our house. And so every single week, we didn't do a surface clean, we did a deep clean. So we'd mop, and we'd vacuum the whole ordeal. And so I was of the belief that when people came to our house, we didn't necessarily need to deep clean, we should just do a surface clean. And the reason I felt this way was because as soon as anyone came to our house every single time, without fail, whether it was a kid, whether it was someone spilling crumbs, our deep cleaned house would no longer be clean in a matter of minutes. And so what I always said is like, why don't we just do a surface clean? And it's not because I don't like the deep cleans. It's just that when my house is deep cleaned, like I want it to stay clean. I don't want anyone over. I barely want to live in it it myself. Come on, somebody. Now, in the comments right now, you can let me know when you clean your house, uh, if you have people coming over, if you're team deep clean or team surface clean. Now, for where I want to go this morning, neither really matters because what I actually want to talk about is what we agree on. And what Christy and I both agree on is that when anyone comes over to our house, we want our house to look clean. And and I think for a lot of us, whether you're team deep clean, team surface clean, if someone's coming to your house, you want your house to look nice. Why? We want our houses to look nice because we know that the cleanliness of our house is often a reflection on us. What does that mean? It means if our house is clean, if our house looks good, people will probably think that we're good, that we have it all together. And then on the flip side, if our house is a mess, if things are dirty, a lot of times people might say, oh my gosh, these people are a mess. Because the point of what I'm trying to say is that I think we can agree on one thing, and that is that our buildings, our houses, the cleanliness and what it looks like reflects the home owner. We're in the second part of our series called Church Has Left the Building. And uh, if you guys can see today, we've really left the building. I hope you guys can see the views online this morning. Now, what we're doing in this series, if I could break down this series super simple, I would say this Church Has Left the Building is a series for each and every one of us where we can learn how to step into our calling. What is our calling? What we have said is that our calling is that for each and every one of us, if we follow Jesus, we are the church. Church is not a place that I go. Church is not an event that I attend. Each and every one of us that follow Jesus, we are the church. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about how we can step into that calling of being the church. And what I've just said is that I just believe that God has positioned us as a people this season for the church, to not only take ground, but to finally step into the calling that we've always had. You see, what I just said is that, and the reason I told this illustration is because one thing that I said was that our buildings are often a reflection of the homeowner. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to God. You see what the Bible tells us is that the Bible says that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are literally the temple of God. What does that mean? What that means is that God chooses to dwell in you. God does not have a temple. God does not have a sanctuary. God does not have a building. God does not have a church. He does not have a holy place. God actually chooses to dwell in people. That means that you are the holy place. You are the sanctuary. You are the church. Now, what's interesting though, is that if God chooses to dwell in us, I could say it like this, if we are literally the home of God, what that means that each and every one of us, we are actually a reflection. We are actually meant to be a picture of God. When people see us, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, they are actually supposed to see God. Why? Because the building is always a reflection of the home owner this is the building in which God has chosen to dwell. Now, for a lot of us, we have to thinking to ourselves, man, if I was God, like what kind of a plan is that? Because I'm just gonna be honest, I'm messed up. I don't always have my stuff together. Are you trying to tell me that God has chosen me? Like if I was God, I don't know if that would have been the plan that I would have chosen, because I'm a mess. I love how Paul puts it in Colossians chapter one, verse 27. He says this, he says, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul is saying, Jesus dwells in you. The hope of glory dwells in you. But I love what he says. He says, this is the great mystery. Why is it a great mystery? I think it's a great mystery for a number of reasons. And I think one of them is so simple. If Jesus wanted to, Jesus, when he resurrected, he could have stayed around here forever and been like, I'm gonna gonna be my reflection of myself. But the mystery is that God did not choose to do that. God chose to dwell in people. God chose to allow us to be the sanctuary, allowed us to be the picture of God to the world. Now, I don't wanna spend a whole lot of time asking ourselves why God would do that. I don't wanna question it, because I, I, if I did, I would probably say, man, it'd be better if Jesus represented himself. But Jesus has told and called us to represent him. And so what I want to do in this message, and really in this series, is I want to help us step into that calling, which is to be the building in which Jesus dwells, the reflection of God. And so in order to do that, I wanna be in the book of Ephesians, We read it at the start, and and all of our our verses this morning come from um, Paul's writings. And so I think it'd be uh, beneficial for us to know who Paul is. If you're new to church, Paul is someone he's quite famous in Christian circles. And the reason that he's famous is not because he was a disciple of Jesus, it was because the resurrected Jesus actually appeared to Paul afterwards when his name was Saul. And Paul, was someone that was actually persecuting Christians. And what happened when Jesus came into his life, Paul has a complete conversion and Paul becomes one of the leaders of the early church. He's planting churches and he's really moving forward the message of Christianity. And Paul ends up writing two thirds of the New Testament, including the book of Ephesians, where we're gonna get our message from this morning. And so I wanna read verse one once again. This is what he says. Paul says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. He says that because Paul's writing this in jail. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Now I'm gonna break that down and I want us to understand it. But in order for us to understand these words, we need to understand something fundamental. And what that is, is that there's actually an order into which all of these words make sense. You see, Paul is is assuming that we already know something. And so I need to explain to us what Paul is assuming that we know. Because I believe and I hope and I pray that there are people on here right now, maybe you stumbled on, maybe someone shared a link and you've never really heard about Jesus and you don't really know what he's done for you. So I wanna give you a quick one minute breakdown of what Jesus has done for you. The Bible tells us that we are separated from God because of sin and shame. And it's a sin and shame, and it's something so great within us, it causes a chasm between us and God. There's a barrier, there's a gap. And because the gap is so large, there is literally nothing that we can do as people to bridge the gap. But the Bible says that God came down, incarnate through Jesus. He sent Jesus and Jesus paid the price for our sin. Jesus paid the price for our shame. Jesus bridged the gap. Come on, somebody. And so what that means is because of Jesus, each and every one of us can be saved. Because of Jesus, darkness no longer reigns. And the beauty of it all is that there is nothing that you could do to attain that salvation. All we can do is accept the free gift of Jesus. Sin has separated us, but Jesus has bridged the gap. And so that's the very first thing that Paul is assuming. And we need to understand that in order for the rest of this stuff to make sense. Because what Paul is saying, he's saying, now that you have been saved, now that you have been redeemed, now that you actually take on the identity of Jesus, you're no longer a slave, you're a son of God. He says, it's amazing, it's beautiful, but your job, your work now has not begun, has now just begun. Christ's work was finished on the cross, but now our work begins. He says, you're saved, you're redeemed, but your job has just become. And so that's where Paul says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You see what Paul is saying to us, he's saying, since you have attained salvation, now we need to do something about it. A lot of times we get things messed up because we think that we have to do something to attain salvation, but Christianity is the opposite. I live out of my salvation. I don't live to trying to, in order to gain salvation. And so what Paul is saying very simply, and this is where I want to go this morning. He's saying, if you are saved, if you are redeemed, if you have accepted Jesus in your life, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. What he's saying, super simple. It's our first point. He's saying, answer the call. Answer the call. You see, the call of Jesus, so simple. It's to be the hands and feet of God. It's to be a reflection of who God is. I love the language that he uses. He says, I beg you. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He's saying, it's no joke. The fact that God has chosen each and every one of us to be the building of God, the church of God, the reflection of God. He says, it's no joke. Lead a life, live a life worthy of your calling. Step into it. Now, for a lot of us might be saying to ourselves, man, that kind of seems like a lot. I have to be a reflection of someone so great. I have to be a reflection of someone so grand. But can I be honest? I think for a lot of us, this is actually how we live the rest of our lives. What does that mean? I would wager to guess the majority of us have jobs. Or you've had jobs in the past. And whether you've had a job or you have a job, many times what happens is that we as employees, we as workers are a reflection of the people that we work for. You guys know what I'm saying? And so we know that there are certain things that we can and cannot do because it's a reflection on the people that we work for. It's like, I read a story this week. This was back in 2013. There was a woman that was going to South Africa. And what happened was that right before she went on her plane, it was an 11 hour flight she tweeted something insensitive and she tweeted it, she turned her phone off, and then she went on her flight across the country. Now she didn't know it, but what would happen in the midst of that flight is that her tweet went viral because of the insensitive things that she said. And so literally in the span of the 11 hours while she was on that flight, by the time she had got off the flight, the hashtag, has her flight landed was trending. And as soon as she got off that flight, she realized what had happened and soon afterwards she was fired. Now, why would she be fired for something that had nothing to do with her job? It's simple because her title as, a, as, as an employee and everything that she did was, an, or was a reflection of the company that she worked for. That's just how life works. I think we kind of understand that fundamentally speaking. A lot of us have roles that we take very seriously. If we're a doctor, if we're a teacher, if we're an engineer, a mechanic, whatever, we take those roles seriously. Mother, father, we take those roles seriously. What Paul is trying to get us to do, he's saying, hey, guess what? That title, follower of Jesus, Christian, believer, he says, take that role seriously. He says, step into it. You see, I think what happens, and I just believe it this time, that God is positioning us as a people to step into our title as Christians, and not even that, to step into our title as the church. You see, for a lot of us, I think it's so easy to tie our identity as Christians to church services, to church buildings, to things that we do, but what God wants us to do is God wants us to step into that identity that says church is not an event that I attend, church is who I am. You see, for so many of us, we default, right? It's like, well, the church service is gonna reach people. The pastor is gonna reach people. Church online is gonna reach people. And understand this, if I didn't believe those things didn't reach people, I wouldn't do them. But I believe that I came here to tell you today from the Lord that although those things work, those are not the most effective ways for reaching people. The most effective ways, the most efficient way is when church leaves the building and the followers of Jesus take seriously the call in their lives to live a life worthy of their calling for Jesus. Now, for a lot of us, when we think to ourselves, man, that sounds like a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure, Harrison. You're telling me I have to be the church. Guess what? I'm here to talk about pressure, but I want you to understand sometimes pressure is a good thing. I think right now as a church, right now as a people, we are in a season of tremendous pressure. I know a lot of us are feeling pressure, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whatever it may be, the kids are running around the house, but one thing I believe about pressure is that pressure has the ability to produce something if we let it. Because the reality of pressure is this, when anything in life is squeezed, something's coming out. Where are my juicers at out there? When you squeeze something, something is going to come out one way or another. And so when it comes to us as people and in life, when we feel pressure, here's the reality, something will come out. And so a lot of times pressure is actually just a gauge that helps us see what was in us in the first place. And so this morning in this season of pressure, I want to ask us, what has been coming out of you? What has this pressure caused? For some of us, man, the pressure of this season, I know that you're like, man, I don't know where this stuff came from. This season has caused all of this stuff to come out of me. It's caused me to go back to my bad habits. It's caused me to go back to my addictions. It's it's helped me realize, man, money is so important in my life. I didn't even know it, but let me tell you something. The pressure that we feel in this season has not created anything. It's just brought out what was already in us. Now, for a lot of us that do not like what's in us in this season, we don't like the pressure of this season. I'm here to put a little bit more pressure on you. Because for although the the fact that pressure brings something out, I believe that pressure also produces something if we allow it to. And I believe in this season, God wants to produce something from this pressure. The grape does not become wine unless it's under pressure. And I think in this season, for all of us that have been feeling that pressure, like it's gonna crush us, what if we could turn that pressure into something that produces? You see, the point of this morning is I want to put more pressure on you. The pressure to see that if you follow Jesus, you are the church. But pressure will provide as long as we have a fresh perspective. It's like this, when when church went online um, 10 weeks ago now and really things shut down, for us as a church, we had one of two ways to look at it. Because here's the reality. This could have crushed us, right? We're we're a brand new church. We haven't been around too, too long. And so to not have a building, to not be able to interact with people, to not be able to, to, to love on people, man, that could have crushed us. But we had one of two options with the pressure. We could either let it crush us or we could pivot. And so what we did, as soon as all of this stuff happened, we just pivoted. And we started producing stuff and not all of it was great, but we went online, we went on Instagram, we went on a Facebook Live, we were doing devotions, whatever we could to reach people. And I just remember this one particular Wednesday night, Christy and I had did an Instagram Live and we did it about relationships. And we did an Instagram and Facebook Live and at the very end um, of the thing, there was about 25 people that watched live. And what I said to Christy, I said, man, I can't believe that there were so many people watching. And I said to her, man, when was the, and by the end of the day, there was almost a hundred people that had seen the video. And I said, man, when was the last time on a Wednesday night we were able to speak to a hundred people? And in that moment I said, Chris, I can't believe this, but we have almost 500 followers on the church Instagram account, 300 on Facebook, hundred subscribers on YouTube. And I just felt like I needed to repent because I said, man, we have been treating those people like they don't exist. And we have all of these people that have been following us and our main objective was to get them to come to a place instead of going to where they are. Can I tell you guys something? People think COVID has has changed a lot. All COVID has done was that it brought people to the place they already were. We were already online before all of this. And so I just said to her, man, there's all these people, but had this situation not happened, we wouldn't be able to see them. And so what happened was the pressure of this season caused us to pivot, but because we looked at pressure not as something to crush us, but as something that could produce, we were actually able to reach more people. Do you guys see what I'm saying? And so what I want to do in this season is I want us to turn that pressure into power. And I want us to turn that pressure of the calling of God on our lives to be the church. I want us to turn that into power. Is pressure? Yes. But what happens when we step into pressure, when we lean into it, God will begin to produce something. And so we can look at it one of two ways. We can say, I'm gonna let it crush me or I'm gonna let it produce something in me. Now, I saw something online a few weeks uh, weeks ago, a few months ago, and it was kind of a meme, and it was a picture, and it just said this. It said basically, hey, in this quarantine season, uh, don't let anyone tell you what to do. If you want to stay at home and watch Netflix all day, if you want to stay in sweatpants all day, you do you. Don't feel like you need to start a new activity. Don't feel like you need to do anything. Everyone has the option to do whatever they want, and the thing was shared a thousand times, and the essence was you just do you. I'm here this morning to tell you the exact opposite because I don't believe that God has put us in this season for us to just be able to binge Netflix. I believe that God has put us in this season to position us to be the church. This pressure is supposed to produce something. It's supposed to produce the life and the church that we were meant to be. And so I wanna encourage you in this season, let's pivot. Let's pivot. Let's pivot. Let's let's begin to do more than we were doing before. Let's be the church because can I tell you something? In this season right now, we have a chance. We have an opportunity like we did not have before because people are looking for hope. People are looking for answers. People are looking for those who have, have light in the darkness. And I wanted to do this series right now as things are pushing back towards normal because I don't want any of us to miss the window that we have right now. The window where people are open to hearing the gospel. The the, the window where people are open to hearing what you have to say. Because can I go back to social media for a second? I'm gonna be honest. I know many of you have a much greater platform than the church even has and you have followers and you have people that are listening and they want to see what you have to say. And I'm gonna be honest, I do this too. For a lot of us, we use our platforms as a place to push our brands or our clothes or what we're eating or just cute or cool views. What if we began to use our platforms as a way to reach people? Part of being the church Part of taking our call seriously is showing up where the people are. There are people online. One thing I say to our church every single week and I'll say it to the whole church at large. One little thing has the ability to change everything. What if sharing a link changed someone's life? What if posting a picture? What if posting an inspirational message? What if you went online and you encouraged someone? Now, a lot of us are saying, well, pastor, I don't know what to say. I'm not even sure what I would do. Guess what? If you have nothing to say, you don't know what to say. We will send you something. We will give you a resource. The reality is, is each and every one of us have a platform from God. So let's lean into it. Let's use the pressure of this season to produce something. And I want it, let's use the pressure of that high calling to say, I need to produce wherever I am. For a lot of us, you're still working. For some of us, you have teams you see every single day, whether it's still in person or whether it's on Zoom. Part of being the church, listen to this, is meeting people where they're at. How sad would it be if we looked back one day and the places where we worked, the schools that we attended, places we spent many hours of our lives, the people had no idea that we followed Jesus. The people had no idea that we were the church. Listen, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Let's not let one more day go by where people don't know who we are and what we do. Now, for a lot of us, it's like, man, you know what, pastor? That sounds great. And I want to be the church. I want to share Jesus. But man, people don't want to hear about God. People don't like God. Haven't you heard about this culture? Can I tell you something? I don't think it's that people don't like God or don't like Jesus. I think the reality is people just don't wanna hear about faith that they don't see lived out. In other words, it's don't tell me how much you know, don't tell me how much you you care about Jesus until you show me how much you care about me. Live it out. And I just believe if we can live lives because part of of leaning into that calling of Jesus is to live a life where people are attracted to you. It's to live a life where people look at you and they say, man, I don't know what I believe about God, but if God is anything like that person, I want him to be true. What if instead of trying to debate people about if God is true, why don't you live a life where they want God to be real? Step in to the calling. Show people you care. Look, look what Paul says he goes on. He says, step into the calling, verse two. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. People wanna know how much you care before they'll ever care about what you know or how much you know. People will listen to what we have to say if our actions give them reason to. Paul says, be humble, be gentle, Be patient. You know what being humble says? Being humble says, I don't always have to be right. In fact, being right is not more important than me listening to you, than me loving you, than trying to see things from your perspective. Come on, somebody, we're going back to last week. We're meeting people in the middle. Be patient, look what he says. He says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You see, we live in this world, this cancel culture world. You know what that is? It's like you make one mistake, you say one thing wrong, you miss say one thing and you're gone. You're canceled, you're done. We said this last week, but we live in a society, we live in a world that is more religious than it knows. And what that means is that we live in a world without grace. And so as believers, our job is to infuse grace into a world that is slowly forgetting what grace looks like. He says, make allowance because of your love. Now, he's not talking about the love in our hearts or those feelings. He's talking about the love of God. He's saying, because you have the love of God, make allowance. What does that mean? Romans chapter five, verse eight says this, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were wrong. Well, we didn't have all of our stuff together. Well, we made mistakes. Jesus met us in the middle, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our shortcomings. You know what that means? It means I show grace, I show mercy, I have patience, I have love because Jesus first showed it to me. Listen to this church. Your coworkers, your classmates, they do not care that you watch church online. They do not care that you pray. They do not care that you read your Bible. What the world needs right now is for you to show them how much you love them. It's for you to fill them with joy, to fill them with... It's not you sharing another COVID article. It's not you talking about conspiracy theories, 5G, whatever it is. It's right now we take grasp of our faith and we say, I'm going to be the church, I'm going to show grace, I'm going to show love, because the world desperately needs it, and we live in a world that has lost that. And when we begin to do that, when we show mercy to the merciless, when we seek justice, love, and kindness, we are stepping into our call. In Ephesians 2 verse 3, Paul continues again, he says, make every effort, to keep yourselves united in spirit bind in yourselves together with peace for there is one body one spirit just have you been called to one glorious hope for the future there is one lord one faith one baptism one god come on someone shout one and fa- and God one god the father of all who is over all in all and living through all i want to end this message by pulling it back to our vision as a church and If you're new to our church, you've just joined us online. We have a vision for this year and our vision is for the one. We believe that God has one person for each and every one of us that we are meant to reach this year, that we are meant to show the love and the kindness and the goodness of God. I love what Paul says. He says, God is over all, in all, living through all. God's everywhere because God lives in us and God has chosen us to represent him to the world. Is to that one person. And for a lot of us, maybe this season has pushed us off mission. It's pushed us off tilt. And we haven't been thinking about the one because we've been thinking about ourselves. I'm here to put the pressure back on us to be the church, to be for the one. I want us this morning to make that commitment, say, you know what? I am the church, so I'm gonna be the church. I'm gonna step into it. Listen, our job has not stopped. Church has not been canceled. Church can't be canceled unless you're canceled. And so right now, what God is saying, lean in to your calling. Can I tell you right now, if Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus is as good as he says he is, when we have people in our lives, coworkers, family members, friends that have not experienced his love, do not know who he is, it should break our hearts. It should break our hearts because if Jesus is who he says he is, he's the only one that has the power to change everything. And so I wanna make this appeal and this is a very, very specific appeal is for those of us who call ourselves a church, I want to appeal to us to live a life worthy of that calling, to step into it, to step into our calling and to reach people to reach the one why don't we pray together I want to pray for us God thank you so much for this time thank you so much for this space for this season God I pray that today we can learn to take church outside of the building we love you Jesus we pray in your name amen Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.